0: Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and
1: failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city.
0: Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Okay, well here we are. You're uh, Stacy Webb. You are the uh, director marketing and communications, director of marketing communications for Freshwater Fisheries Society of British Columbia. That's correct. Thanks for coming today, Stacy. Thanks for having really, me. Yeah, really glad to have you here. I'm actually really excited. I was looking forward all week to having a chat with you. Um, as we started talking about just before we started filming, um, I've I've fished uh, through most of my adult life um, as a recreational fisherman. Uh, very unsuccessful fisherman. I think I got more tackle in the water than I pulled fish out of the water uh, but my father-in-law has been fishing. He's turning 71 and shout out to my father-in-law Jerry who's probably gonna listen to this. Um, he's been fishing since he was like 8, 10 years old. Started off fishing in the Vedder River uh, out in Chilliwack and then uh, made his way uh, up to Kamloops and then eventually spent the last half of his life uh, still uh, a- actively fishing on Vancouver Island, the Cowichan River and his favorite spot being out in Port Alberni on the Sumas and and uh, Stamp Stamp River. And so we're gonna spend some time over the next little while here talking about, you know what is the Freshwater Fisheries Society of BC? What yep. do you do as an organization? How are you funded? Mm-hmm. Um, and talk about some of the challenges that uh, we're all facing with declining fish stocks, which is kind of a global phenomenon. I think it's really neat to dial this down into a local level and hear what you have to say and what we need to do as a society, to kind of make this make make this uh, a uh, I guess a sustainable um, you know sustainable organized I don't know practice I guess of, yep. of fishing. So um, so maybe we'll start off by talking a bit about your organization. Like, whoa, the, I believe you used to be part of the provincial government, and now you're a completely separate entity. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So um, in who well, I think it was around 2001 when the uh, BC Liberals uh, came into power in, in British Columbia. They looked at um, sort of how um, different recreational programs were being funded. And um, so they set up a committee, and one of the recommendations that came out of that was to use, uh, t- to do things differently. And so um, in 2003, we were separated from government um, set up as a not-for-profit organization and, um, license fees, which used to go into general revenue. Um, we received in, at the time in 2003, about uh, 70% of, uh, fishing license fees to fund the, um, the provincial hatchery program is essentially is the bulk of what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, in 2015, um, the, uh, they amended our, our 30 year contract and we now receive a hundred percent of license, uh, revenue to, 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 uh, mostly what we do is run provincial hatchery programs, but we okay. also do some, run some, um, programs to make fishing more accessible for anglers.
0: Okay. Is that your polite way of saying they basically lost funding?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we actually uh, in 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 twenty fifteen we actually received more funding. You did, okay. Um, but uh, what we did with that um, was we um, uh, we looked to to fund some different programs in twenty fifteen mm-hmm. when that came around. So the proportion that we put towards the hatchery programs, stayed around the same, but instead what we um, funded, uh, we started funding uh, fisheries committee projects. So it's a joint uh, Freshwater Fisheries Society and the BC provincial government staff members. They get together a couple times a year and look at priority projects that need some research done around them uh, across the province. And um, as a committee, decide which projects are going to be funded. And um, so it's not just stocked fisheries anymore. It could also be completely wild recreational fisheries. So as long as it has a recreational value, okay. uh, we're funding research for those programs now as well.
0: Okay, wow. That's great. And, and just to be clear, you oversee, your organization oversees the fresh waters of all of British Columbia.
1: We oversee the, so we're a service provider to the provincial government. Okay. Uh, so the provincial government still maintains the management okay. of the freshwater fisheries. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be
0: examples of what are things that get managed. Under so the they
1: provincial? they actually decide how many fish are stocked into a lake.
0: Oh, I see. Um,
1: so it's a, a discussion between ourselves and the and provincial biologists yeah. uh, each year. So obviously there's going to be capacity issues. We can't stock we can't grow an an unlimited supply of fish but they decide how many fish go into which lakes okay in all honesty it doesn't change a huge much from year to year yeah um they're the ones that are deciding so if there's drought conditions they're the ones that are going to decide that a river should be closed they're the ones deciding what the regulations are on those water bodies what we do is we grow the trout cutthroat kokanee um, for recreational fisheries programs. We also, as part of our service contract, we also grow, uh, sturgeon oh. for part of the recovery program for, for white sturgeon and then a Chaco and also the Kootenai. Really? Uh, or, or the Columbia river. So when river, you say sorry. grow,
0: are we talking about, you literally have little baby fish. Yep. That are in small tanks, yep. and they grow and they get into bigger tanks yep. and bigger tanks,
1: yep. Wow, yeah. yeah, So, um, uh, little little baby sturgeon are pretty cool looking, actually. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and
0: by the way, Ross, while we're going, yeah. can you, get, uh, if you scroll near the bottom, that so by the way, folks, for those of you watching this, this is a gofishbc.com. That's right. right. Yeah, and our that, that's your website. Yep. And if we go to the bottom here, Ross, you'll see there's annual report in the bottom left corner there. I I just like to be able to tie in the financial side of this so people can kind of understand kind of money's being spent so if you scroll down a bit Ross um, probably about three-quarters of the way down you'll find when you pull it up Um, and I think (laughs) I saw research and development uh, itself was last year about uh, almost uh, like three-quarters of a million dollars uh, spent on R&D
1: yeah so we have a sort of a combination so the fisheries technical committee funding that I was talking about earlier that's a, a joint decision between the the province and ourselves as to which projects are getting funded. And then we also spend money uh, on our own research and development into the stocks of fish that we're releasing. Okay. So uh, essentially trying to make sure that we are growing uh, better fish uh, for the recreational fisheries program. So what size do we put them in at? Um, there could be a difference in um, how well they survive, depending on the size that we're putting them in at. And then also just knowing that we've got a changing climate and environment that a lot of these fish are going into. We've been doing research into, um, so a lot of lakes, especially in the interior, are becoming more acidic over time. Um, are they really? So, and this, or sorry, this, oh sorry yeah, I'm sorry, going. not more acidic, more basic over time. More basic, okay. <laughs> the yeah. pH is increasing, and so the... Uh, and is
0: this a result of climate change and in so your or, or, so uh,
1: yeah so we are, when you're not having as much flushing uh, so if you're having less um, less rainfall or lower snowpack uh, those those water bodies um, receive less flushing and the water levels and some of them are actually going down slowly they fluctuate from year to year but yeah. um, so changing pH also impacts how well uh, fish survive and so we're looking at ways that maybe within the way that we transport the fish or grow the fish, that we can ensure that they will continue to survive in in some of the lakes that we're releasing them in. So we, we partner with um, universities uh-huh. and um, and grad students and researchers to also um, to which un- universities
0: undertake. are active in, in in bringing out smart students in the space? <laughs> is it?
1: Um. So. Um, we're doing a, some, a really interesting project right now with Genome BC, okay. uh, so a, a number of students from um, University of British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Genome Canada is also involved in the project, so I think we've got, ooh, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but I think it's maybe Carleton. Um, have got a few universities that have um, specific lab um, capabilities that oh. we're dealing with um, in the East. Yeah. Um, and um, we've been involved in projects with grad students from Simon Fraser University as well, looking at um, uh, different angler demographics and how anglers are moving across the landscape. So yeah, it's um, wow.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of science to this.
1: There, there certainly is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here we are. Maybe you just increase this a little bit. Yep. So we're talking about the the lower part here on uh, program costs or so researching. make that a little bit bigger there, Ross, please? Uh, so seven hundred and forty-three thousand dollars. So. Uh, and we see the bulk of this 37% is spent on recreational stocking program. Yep. So when you were mentioning earlier about growing those fish, is that yep. part of that equation? Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: And then the conservation and restoration. So that's, um, the, the conservation program, a lot of that is, so sort of things like growing, um, sturgeon. So our Nechako, uh, hatchery yeah. is exclusively a sturgeon hatchery. Oh, wow. And then we also grow sturgeon in, uh, out of our Kootenai trout hatchery. Okay. also grows... And just for <laughs> folks
0: to know, like sturgeon, they're big fish.
1: They, they grow to an incredibly large size. Yeah. Um, that's where you
0: get ca- caviar from, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So there's
1: actually a sturgeon um, hatchery for, for growing fish for, for food production um, on the Sunshine Coast. So if really? you're eating BC caviar, it's probably from that, uh, really? that location, yeah.
0: Wow. Is it like a caviar farm? um <laughs> <laughs> a sturgeon farm is it like a, is a, is it yeah. it's effectively a yeah. farm okay yeah. um are there far, are there uh i mean what we 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 should if we have time talk about fish farming i think it's an important topic uh because there's lots of controversy around that and i think there's also a lot of misunderstandings i know personally myself i try to avoid farmed fish um uh, maybe I, it's because i've been you know lucky enough to grow up on wild fish but that being said i eat farm chicken so maybe i should change my view on it but um is there such thing as farm fish farming in fresh waters does that exist
1: in fresh waters yes uh so there are uh there are fish farms that are completely inland
0: inland yeah Right. But when you say inland, are they on tanks or are they actually in like lakes and ponds and rivers?
1: Uh, so there's a little bit of a, there, there's a, sort of the whole gamut. So oh, okay. you can buy, um, so if you have a, um, say a large piece of property and you've got your own little lake or on it, yeah. you can actually get a permit from the provincial government to purchase trout, not from us, because we only provide trout for provincial program. Yeah, But there's a couple of uh, trout, uh, farms, okay. Um, in in BC, that you can purchase trout from and put them into your own pond if you have a permit. Really, and then they also grow um trout, and they will um sm- you can buy smoked trout that are from from uh, one of the uh, uh, farms up by Little Fort and yeah.
0: Wow, oh, that's really neat. Yeah, and those, yeah, those
1: ones are growing in. From what I understand, it's more of a, an actual lake. Yeah. on someone's property.
0: Okay, man, we could go on for hours. This is so fun. <laughs> So Stacey, let's talk about sturgeon a little bit more here, because yep. I've never gone sturgeon fishing, but I've seen those pictures of these monster beasts. And yep. I understand that, I mean, as I understand it, sturgeon is kind of a rare species of fish these days, is it not? Isn't it kind of an endangered fish?
1: Um, so they are, depending on the population in BC as to how protected they are uh-huh. or or not, so what the status of, of the, the population mm-hmm. is. Um, so in the lower Fraser river, you can go sturgeon fishing. Um, and that's because at this time, um, the provincial government, the, the, the managers have determined that the population is healthy enough to allow some recreational fishing. The majority of the guides that you would go out with, they are part of a program where, um, they're actually tracking sturgeon. So if you were to say, be on a boat and catch one of these fish, they'll scan it for a pit tag. And they'll be able to, from that information, they'll know um, when that fish was last caught, um, when it was originally tagged. And if the fish has not been caught before, um, they will actually tag it. So you could, you're you part of a study while you're out there wow. fishing for it.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Put them on a the blockchain. <laughs> so um, you mentioned uh, about one of the things you grow are sturgeon for two rivers, the Necheco River. The N- Necheco, yeah. Necheco. Yeah. And the...
1: And then the, um, so in the Kootenays, we used to grow fish for the the Kootenay and the Columbia system. Okay. Um, The uh, Kootenay tribe of Idaho, I believe, is what they're, they built the hatchery. So they now grow um, sturgeon um, in the United States. Yes. Uh, We still grow some sturgeon um, in smaller numbers, but we still grow sturgeon for the Columbia system as well. And so that's under... There's a larger body that's um, looking at all the current research and data right. and, and deciding um, how many fish are released each year. And a lot of those fish that we're growing now are actually the eggs are being collected from the wild. And then we're just giving them a boost and growing them in the hatchery to a certain size and then letting the fish go. So.
0: Oh, wow. And so, so how b- many how many sturgeon annually? Mm-hmm. We should pull up a picture of what a sturgeon looks like so if people are watching this. They can see. Oh, you got it right here. Um how many sturgeon are being released annually, roughly? Do you have any idea um, what that number is?
1: So, at the back end of our annual report, it says it varies from year to year. So uh-huh. we used to release more, and the last number of years we we're releasing fewer of them, um, and so, and, and at different sizes, uh, because they know that even the size we were being, they were being released, they were still being predated upon. Um, so they were wet, what? Sorry. So there was there's there's other creatures that are still eating them if they're oh, small. Oh, I see. Right, right. <laughs> the river otters yeah. were finding them. Oh or, wow. Right. Yeah. So. Um, uh, how
0: how long do sturgeon live for? Don't they live for a long time?
1: They they can live for over hundred years, and so wow. they, and they don't become um, mature to lay eggs and reproduce until they're like 13, 15 years old. So they need to be in the river for quite a few years. So and how
0: old are these sturgeon when you guys are releasing them? So
1: the time? ones that we're releasing are, are only usually a year or oh, so oh, old. So they, yeah,
0: they're not. Uh, they're not. Uh, they're. They're not like five or six no. years old.
1: No, we're releasing. I mean, mm. they're like this size, but I they're. I see. Um, and so the water bodies that we're releasing, that we're raising sturgeon for, um, they were impacted from different. Mostly these are dam systems. Yes. And um, so they don't know exactly. They're still looking at all of the causes of um, why the fish were no longer reproducing. But they kind of realized, oh, we're missing a whole young age class of fish. Yeah. And so while they're working on different ways to mitigate that so that the the population can, can continue to spawn and... Um, and do what it's meant to do to reproduce, we're sort of helping um, in the meantime by uh, growing uh, juvenile sturgeon and releasing them.
0: Okay. And we see the numbers here. So nearly 8,000 juvenile Necheco um, white sturgeon were released into the Necheco. N- am Necheco. N- N- yep. River. Um, and then just over 1,000 in the Columbia, upper yep. Columbia River. Um, yeah, wow, that's fascinating. So how many different types of fish species are, is the, you know, Freshwater Fisheries Society looking after?
1: Um, So primarily we raise uh, rainbow trout. Okay. We also uh, raise kokanee, which Mm -hmm. are a landlocked sockeye salmon. Yeah. Uh, And then we also raise uh, uh, cutthroat trout. Okay. Um, Mostly uh, westlope cutthroat cutthroat for um, the interior, um, for for the Kootenays, uh, where they're native. Um, and then we also release um, eastern brook trout, which are actually a, a char.
0: Okay, a char. Yep. Okay, yeah. And th- those are up north. I mean.
1: Um, so those, uh, so the, those are actually not native to BC. Okay. Um, and so when we release those, we release them as uh, sterile fish, so they cannot reproduce. Oh. Um, so why do
0: you raise them in the first place?
1: So there's sort of a history. Um, they were originally brought to BC um, by the provincial government because it was believed that they would, uh, that they um, survived uh, lakes that had low oxygen over the winter, that they did better in those lakes, um, and people liked the taste of them. And so it's debatable as to whether or not they survive through lower oxygen levels in, um, in the wintertime, which, which uh, a lot of interior lakes will, um, you know, you, people have heard of winter kill. And, and so when the oxygen levels get really low, then uh, sometimes you have fish kills, usually not all of them, but it was believed that the, the fish would survive those conditions better I see um, and so it's sort of a hangover that we continue to do it people okay. really like catching that species of fish they're really yeah. beautiful they taste yeah. great
0: what are they called again
1: um, they are called um, eastern brook trout
0: eastern brook trout yeah right, let's take a quick, quick look at what those look like yeah so they've got
1: yeah. a lighter spotting on them sort of pretty rainbow sort of haloed effect to them yeah um, oh yes yeah, yeah. Are,
0: this is very famous looking kind of fish yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so so if you're fishing what in, rivers
0: will we find these in or which lakes uh
1: so we stock them into lakes oh, okay, um lakes, yeah. and mostly in uh the caribou and thompson nicola yeah. um so if you were to fish some some of the the lakes around Merritt, um yeah. a number of them are stocked with uh brook trout um yeah. and some a lot of lakes are stock we stock with brook trout and also rainbow trout
0: okay now, one fish you didn't mention at all is salmon. Yep. And I have to say, I'm kind of surprised. I'm a, I assumed <laughs> that we would talk a lot about salmon, but so you, so you guys aren't responsible for stocking salmon at all?
1: No. So salmon, um, stocking, growing and, and release and management of salmon is a federal responsibility. Okay. So, um, most of the, most of the salmon in BC are grown at federal, uh, fish hatcheries. Yes. And then there's also a number of community-run uh, hatcheries as well. Okay. That so that's where it. we
0: were talking earlier about the Robertson Fitch Hatchery that I would go to as a kid and for field trips in Port Alberni. That's, that's that one might be. I'm. Yeah, I i
1: do not know. Yeah, I'd yeah, have to you, double check. You're on thinking
0: that. maybe it's a volunteer, but that's not run by yourselves. No. That's and because that's for salmon. Yeah. What about steelhead?
1: Uh, sorry, I forgot. Totally forgot to mention steelhead. So yeah. we we also grow steelhead. Okay. Uh, as well the. Steelhead are an interesting one because also the federal fisheries, yeah, they also grow some steelhead. Okay. So we uh grow and release steelhead into just a small number of rivers in the um around Chilliwack. Yes. Uh the vetter, which we were talking about earlier yeah. that your uh yeah. your father in law fished. Yeah. Um so the steelhead that we do grow and release, uh that the society does, those are those are for systems that are purely managed for a recreational fishery for steelhead. It's not... They're not grown for any sort of conservation uh, reason. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of research that shows uh, when it comes to steelhead uh, that uh, introducing hatchery fish to water bodies where steelhead numbers are low doesn't necessarily give the results that you are hoping for. What do you mean by that? Um, so... Uh, there's a number of different factors as mm. to why there might be a shortage of, or why there's less steelhead in a river uh, system. In um, a lot of systems it's looking like uh, ocean survival is a, a big factor as to why. Because
0: um, steelhead travel into that's the right. ocean. So they go out to, to the ocean. Just to clear for people yes. again. Sorry, yeah.
1: So steelhead... <laughs> Um, so salmon will come back and they will spawn throughout the fall and the winter, right? Right. And they spawn once they die. Yeah. They've done, that's the end of their life cycle. Whereas steelhead, they can, they'll travel out to the ocean as juveniles. They'll, they'll smolt out to the ocean. They'll spend a few years out in the ocean. Then they'll come back to the river system. They come back in the winter time and most, and in most water bodies, they're actually spawning in the spring. Like rainbow trout, right? Because there are a rainbow trout, right, that goes to the ocean.
0: Don't steelhead actually feed off of salmon eggs in the wintertime? I don't know um, if that's true or not, but well, I've heard
1: that. I mean, there's some debate as to whether they're even doing much feeding at all once okay. they get into the water bodies right. or into the rivers. Into the rivers so, yeah. um, so rainbow trout certainly will. Oh, okay. Rainbow trout will gorge on 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 salmon eggs right. as they float down the river. Right. Um,
0: so the steelhead spawn... I, uh, so they in
1: spawn in the... Spring. In the spring. Okay. Um, during freshet, so as the water levels are really starting to rise. Yeah. And, um, um, but...
0: But then they don't die.
1: They They don't necessarily die. Yeah. So then they try to journey back to the ocean. Okay. And they can, in theory, come back again. So some of these fish are going thousands of kilometers just to make it... To their spawning grounds, yeah. So their chance of making it back again are pretty slim. Yeah. But once they're finished, they will head back down the river. Huh. Um. So you don't, you can't go along and, and count all the dead ones and and know how many spawned. I um, see. In that, in that, is that what you system.
0: you do. Is that is that part of the? So as process, part of the it, uh, as
1: part of the um, the federal program, they yeah. of, of of counting and enumerating. Um, Salmon, they will actually walk along water bodies and do uh, dead pitch, and so they'll actually count. What do they call it? Uh, dead pitch, because you're pitching <laughs> the dead ones onto the onto the, sh- onto the shore. Yeah. Um. But uh, the um, so s- steelhead uh, they think one of the limiting factors is their ocean survival. Okay. So if you're adding more hatchery fish, then you're just putting more fish that are competing for limited resources, right? So it's not necessarily going to be a good thing for the wild fish that are trying to survive. And the other thing is that with a hatchery system, um, you don't have the same type of natural selection that you do in the wild, right? right? So we have a really nice controlled environment. Uh, so there's obviously going to be a little bit of mortality in that nice controlled environment, but majority of the fish that we raise are going to live. Right. Whereas in the wild, it's really the strongest yeah. and the fittest that are going to survive. Right. right. So, um, Which is uh,
0: important, I'm assuming, because if you don't have that over time, you have a, a, a less, a weaker and weaker population base. You, you could. Have, yeah. Or yeah. You could. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, okay. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's, it's, when it comes, when it comes to steelhead, it's complicated. Sure. The other thing that's interesting with steelhead is that they, they're the steelhead juveniles. So when they emerge as young fish, they can decide to not go back to the ocean. So they can, they can decide to spend their entire life in the river.
0: In the river. So
1: they, we know that some of those fish do not choose to go back to the ocean. Right. Right, because some of the river wa- rivers are, you know, they're a nice productive environments, so they'll yeah. stay there too. So. Yeah.
0: Now, even though you don't raise salmon, I'm assuming salmon have got to be one of the major f- species that your anglers catch, is it not?
1: Um. So this depends on where they're fishing. Yeah, it depends. Uh, so we definitely know that freshwater anglers love to catch salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when um. There are salmon fishing opportunities in rivers in the fall. Um, people love that because it's, it's easy and accessible, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to have an ocean boat. Yes. Uh, and for a lot of people, it's their, their opportunity to actually catch, um, yeah. to catch salmon. Uh, and I have so-
0: to admit, I, I converted like about <laughs> six years ago when my father in law got me out on the yeah. river. Cause I had done lots of ocean fishing as a teenager and a kid. Um, and you sit in the back of this boat, sucking in diesel air and eating potato chips and waiting for that line to hit. And then even when it hits, you're reeling in this just dead weight because there's probably some big, you know, uh, weight on the end of the line, flasher and all that kind of stuff. Then you get out into the river and it's active and you're moving and it's a line super light. So when that fish hits, I mean, even though it might only be 10 pounds, man, it, it feels like you're... Battling a monster. Yep. And and yep. and you're right too. It's like you can. I mean, some if you get lucky, to get the right day, the right conditions. You can literally see the fish. Yep. Swimming up the river.
1: Yeah. And so people that live in Vancouver, yeah. uh, when the when it's salmon season and, and yeah. if there's openings, you can go up to uh, a lot of people drive up to Squamish. The okay. pink pink salmon runs have been really popular. Yeah. For anglers up around Squamish. Um, this year they didn't have. It was interesting. They did a catch and release pink salmon fishery. They determined the numbers weren't um, healthy enough to allow um, people to retain okay. the pink salmon, but you could go and catch and release them this year. Yeah, um, And then um, all of the tributaries coming into the lower Fraser, um, Harrison, Vetter, um all of those water bodies, as well, uh, people you can fish for salmon along those. And then, you know, if you anybody drives along Highway One out past Hope, and um, the salmon fisheries are open, you can you can tell, right? There's yeah. all these cars parked along the side of the highway, and you can see the anglers along the Fraser River. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So so while the salmon are not, not uh, species that you raise, yeah. You um you do have anglers that fish them. Do you, do you have does the freshwater fisheries society of BC have any involvement with salmon in the sense of like, do you do any research and development with salmon? Do you do any counts of salmon? Do you work with uh, DFO in any way with respect to salmon or are you just, they're just naturally one of the many fish that anglers catch in fresh waters?
1: Um, yeah. So we, d- we aren't involved at all with any of the management of, of, of salmon in BC that's, uh, entirely, uh, federal government, yeah. um, We, we certainly do though see, um, when salmon season, when, when river fisheries open for salmon, we certainly see an increase in the number of people that buy a freshwater fishing license. (laughs) So we know that there are some people that that's the only type of freshwater fishing that they do. Yeah. Um. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we do help, uh, we have a new initiative that we started, uh, about, i think we're maybe we're into just the end of our first year actually um and it's the wild trout uh wild trout initiative so uh community groups um right now if you um want to um help uh with with salmon or or recreational fisheries um a lot of there's a lot of community groups that um are funded through the Pacific Salmon Foundation, right? For for salmon work. Well, yeah. we started one that's more of a trout focus. Okay. So groups that are looking that want to say restore, improve um, trout habitat. Yes. But a lot of that habitat, especially on the coast, uh, coastal cutthroat habitat is also salmon habitat, right? So right. A lot of those um, groups that are 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 working to improve and restore stream habitat. Yes. Um, for trout? It's helping not just trout, not just salmon, it's helping all of the species that oh, would I use see. that habitat. So. Yeah.
0: And what are the kind of things that those organizations would do? What are they They're helping yeah. clear debris or are they, what are they doing?
1: Yeah. So, um, in some instances, they might be working with, say, um, the city or a regional park to try and improve the natural flow um, yeah. of a, a creek or stream. Um, removing large amounts of trash or debris, um, fixing, say, culverts that have become a barrier, um, just trying to, in general, make it the stream habitat more accessible okay. and more livable. Yeah. Uh, for... they put any signs
0: up for the fish? Welcome <laughs> home? <laughs>
1: they, and, well, and the other things that they're doing probably are a lot of bank stabilization, too. So, you okay. know, in some of these uh, urban or near-urban areas, you might yeah. have um, well-used paths along the, the banks, but then you've, you, you know, you've got erosion that happens over time as well. So they right. probably are doing some riparian planting. And so, yeah, yeah basically anything that's going to improve the habitat. Yeah. Um, we yeah. will, uh, we've, it's a, a brand new fund that we started, um, oh. last year. So I think there's about five or six groups that were funded this past oh. year.
0: Oh, wow. That's really neat. Yeah. yeah and I know the city of Vancouver has been big on trying to reopen these streams, you know, down in, um, Jericho area. There's a couple of. There's actually a sign says, you know, uh, please don't have your children and dogs walk in the stream because they're trying to attract salmon. I don't know if they've had any success with that or not yet, or any other fish for that. I'm not sure. Do you do do you guys do anything the details behind something like that? No, 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 don't know a whole lot of that. But I,
1: one of the uh, one of the lakes that we stock in Vancouver is actually there's a little pond in the grounds where the peony is. So Hastings Park, there's okay. a there's a little lake that a lot of people don't even realize is there. If you're up on the top of the Ferris wheel, yeah. you'll actually, if you look over, you'll be able to see it. It's a beautiful little lake. What's it called? Uh, Sanctuary you know? Pond.
0: Sanctuary Pond. Yeah, okay.
1: and we started stocking that um, a couple of years ago. And the, um, the city of Vancouver has been working at um, improving a, the whole creek system that goes... Um, um, from it's it's below the Hastings Park, but yes, uh, down to the right down to the ocean. So really, yeah.
0: You pull up the map, Ross. Looks like there's some nice pictures here. of This place. So are these catch and release or are these?
1: Yeah. So yeah. so, so uh, we stock a number of 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 little ponds and lakes around uh, Vancouver, and so yeah. we put the fish. Uh, most of the fish we put in, in around the lower mainland, we put in at catchable size. Yeah. Um, so by that, it, they're about half a pound or so. Okay. How um, long would it
0: take to get these? These are trout? Yeah. How long would it take to get a trout to that size?
1: Well, so uh, with trout, if you feed them a lot, they'll grow faster. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, warmer water as well. Okay. So uh, when we're stocking them, they're about a year to a year and a half old. Depends. Okay. Um, uh, so pro- probably more. This ab-
0: is this it here? Yep. Stacy, yep. just to be clear. So this is. Hastings Park Sanctuary Small Pond. Yeah. Would would this be a good place to take my three young kids to go fishing? Or you have to be pretty skilled still at
1: Well, it I would say that so these these water bodies are really popular. Um, yeah. and it's a there's a dock on the north end, so you okay. can't really see, but the north end is where they have a little dock and that's where they want people to fish from. Yeah. Um so that one, Rice Lake is another one in North Vancouver that yeah. we stock as well. Um, It's got a bigger dock system, and you can actually walk all the way around the the lake and and, uh, fish from it. Um, If you live out in Coquitlam, we stock uh, Lafarge Lake in City Center Park. Okay. And also Como Lake, um, which is in Como Park as well. Um, And what else do we stock around? Uh, I'm probably forgetting another one. Um, But all of those water bodies, we stock them in the spring. Okay. And then in the fall and we'll stock them multiple times. Yeah. Because there's so many people fishing on them that the fish are getting pulled out fairly quickly. (laughs) 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 Um, But if you've got young kids uh, and you want to take them fishing, I would highly recommend looking into one of our Learn to Fish programs.
0: Oh, you have that? We
1: run about 900 programs across the province each year. Really? So we run those out of uh, municipal and regional parks. Okay. Is Um, that on your
0: website, by the way? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the Learn to Fish program right there. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we run those out of regional, municipal, and provincial parks. Okay. um, Starting in... Uh, majority of them are running spring through the summertime. Yeah. So uh, I think we did over a hundred different locations last year.
0: What's the nearest one to if you're living in Vancouver? If living you're living
1: in Vancouver, we've been doing them at uh, Rice Lake. It's dropping. Yeah. Um, and so we have an events calendar, and people can look and see which um, lakes near them uh, we're running yeah. programs. Yeah. Or a lot of people will do a program if, say, if they're out um, at a provincial park in the summer. Um, camping. We'll, we do a lot of programs at the provincial parks as well. So you is it do. only
0: for kids? Or so where?
1: it's it's geared at kids uh, ages five to fifteen. once yeah. you turn once you turn sixteen, you need a fishing license. Right. Of course. So then it yeah. just makes it a little bit simpler because in some places there's not great internet. Yeah. Right. So you can't necessarily buy a license if you hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Um, but we um, parents are, are or guardians are um, required to come along because yeah. as you can imagine, if you have 20, 25 kids all learning how to fish. All <laughs> um, leaning over a dock. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's also really important that yeah. the parents understand all the steps for going fishing as well, right? Yeah, so sure. we teach the basics of, um, like,
0: well, if, they're, if the kids are going to this course, it's probably because the parents don't know how to fish.
1: That's right. Yeah. Right? For so the most part. Right. And so we're teaching, we're both. teaching you like what species you, you know, you can target. Yeah. Um, a bit about the ethics of angling and, yeah. and making sure you're handling the fish, uh, you know, appropriately. Um, and, uh, and then we do some basic um, casting, um, yeah. usually on a nice sort of open area and show them how to tie the, the hook on the whole bit. And then they usually have a half an hour to an hour or so to to practice casting into the to the lake at the end of the lesson. Yeah. So there, it's about a two-hour program for most of our drop-in ones. Yeah. Um, and then we also run some out of our Fraser Valley Trout Hatchery. So if you want to do a little day trip out to Abbotsford, yes. it's about an hour to get there yeah. from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, you need to pre-register for those programs, but most of those are about an hour or about four hours long. They can okay. be up to four hours long, so they're much more intensive. You get a yeah. tour of the hatchery. And you can fish for longer um, and then we once you've done that program you can often also then sign up for just drop it and come back and we stock that lake with s- our our pond on our at our hatchery we stock with so many fish that it's a very good chance really even you can catch a fish <laughs> <laughs>
0: And what's that one called again, Stacy? that's in uh, Abbotsford? Yeah, what's so our
1: Fraser Valley Trout Hatchery.
0: Fraser Valley Trout Hatchery. Yeah. And wow.
1: it's um, really close to the eco-dairy, so if you want to make it a whole day trip of it or... Go to the pumpkin patch or something like that as well. So yeah, highly recommend And you said
0: that you stock them twice a year. So this is not just a program available in the spring or it's
1: Yeah, so we're stocking the lakes actually multiple times during... But we stock them in the spring and the fall when the water temperatures are optimal. Oh yeah, okay. So in our... our, um, And on our website, uh, we have a stocking tool. Okay. And so people can look and see when we last stocked the lake closest to them. Mm. How many fish we put in, which species we put in. Um so
0: I can imagine the real advocates are ones that are they checking in every day and like, oh it yeah. just got stocked, I'm heading over there tomorrow. Yeah.
1: And if you sign up for our newsletter, so on our home page at the bottom, we have a okay. newsletter people Let's do the can plug. sign up. People can sign up for our newsletter at the bottom there yeah, of there our is. footer, of any page. Um and so once uh in the spring when we start stocking, especially these urban lakes in the lower mainland and yeah. uh, and Vancouver Island we will update the newsletter as well as with what's been recently stocked. So, yeah. um, you know, if the real avids are checking our, our website daily um, yeah. and we will also post it on our social media sites, but our newsletter, which we send out every, probably every two weeks during um, prime sort of spring summer fishing season, yeah. we um, we identify which, uh, which lakes have been stocked with catchables. Cause I mean, those are the lakes where you can go and catch fish right away, right? Yeah. Most of the lakes that we stock, the majority of them, though, we're putting in little tiny fish that need at least a year to grow.
0: Right. So if you're catching fish from there, they would have been fish that were maybe a year or two, stocked there a year or two ago. Yeah. And you just have a constant. Yeah. I uh, mean,
1: some of yeah. the uh, interior lakes, so when she gets around Kamloops, uh, Merritt, uh, the southern caribou, those lakes are so productive that we can actually so- stock some of those ones in the spring with small fish with and with yearling size fish, and they will be... People can catch them in the fall. They'll grow that fast in really? some of those water bodies. What but do they eat? They're eating insects, just bugs for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Um. Once fish, some of the rainbow trout. There's, um, one of the. Uh, so, we stock a few different strains of rainbow trout. Okay. So it's not just a generic of rainbow trout that we stock. We have different strains of rainbow trout that we stock, and so uh, the one strain is called Blackwater. They're originally from the Blackwater River, okay. and they once they get to a certain size, they will start eating small fish as well. So lakes that say maybe have um, uh, redside shiner or, or a little other species of fish, yeah. they'll start eating those as well. And oh, so wow. then they get they get big, big fast, fast yeah. But for yeah. the most part, rainbow trout are eating insects. Insects. Yeah.
0: Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. So let's maybe switch gears for a second and talk about uh, financials. Sure. Um, it's my world that I I yep. spend every day in, and I always love analyzing organizations and their financials. I think it tells you a lot about how things are going. Yeah. And um, you, this last count, this last fiscal year, you guys actually had a deficit yep. of almost seven hundred thousand um, dollars. And from talking to a couple of your colleagues before this, I understand that there's two challenges you face. One is kind of a flat line in the number of anglers that are buying annual licenses. So I'd love to talk a bit about, you know, why is that happening? Why is that not, you know, because the population base is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second is um, just the increasing costs for you to, yep. to run these programs because um, you have just natural inflation. Yep. And I believe if I'm... If I'm correct in asking my father-in-law, you haven't done an increase in fee- license fees in a long time.
1: Um, I don't remember the exact number of years, but I th- it's been it's been quite a few years.
0: Okay, well, we're going to talk about that as well. That's <laughs> yeah. a, Maybe the solution. So let's start talking first of yeah. all about the numbers you yeah. mentioned earlier. I think before we started filming. So why don't you speak to a little bit about you know how many people are registering, buying licenses? Sure. What does that break down? How yeah. many are British Columbians versus Canadians versus foreigners. Yep. Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, So uh, in the about mid-1990s was probably when we had peak number of people that were recreational freshwater fishing in in British Columbia. So we we had over 400,000 licensed anglers in the 1990s. Uh, And then there was sort of a slow decline. Um, In 2003, when we... Uh, became the Freshwater Fisheries Society. We were close to our lowest point, um, so not a great time to become a not-for-profit when right. your your main funding source is decreasing. Um, and there are a lot of uh, avid anglers that were also concerned about the fact that there was less people taking up the sport. Mm. So I looked at a number of different initiatives to try and turn things around. So one of the the things that we started doing was uh, looking at at marketing recreational fishing and and providing, you know, resources to make it easier for anglers to go fishing. So providing fishing tips and, you know, improving our website, uh, started up the Learn to Fish program, um, improving angler access, whatever we could do to try and make it, make fishing more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've, as a result of that, we've seen a slow and steady increase in the number of anglers. Um, Around 2005 or so, we started slowly seeing an increase. Uh, but over the last four or five years, it's really sort of flattened out. It sort of you know bumps up or down a little bit from year to year, but we're looking at about three hundred fifty to 360,000 uh, licensed freshwater anglers mm-hmm. per year.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Any idea why this is happening? What, what the reasons are?
1: Um, there's probably a number of different reasons. So for one, we know that we've got an aging demographic in BC. So we've yeah. got... You know baby boomers who were probably that big cohort that were fishing in the 90s. 1990s i was gonna say
0: like that's i wonder yeah. if that's a big this this reminds me of this book that you probably wouldn't remember ross you're too young but there, I don't know if you remember a book that you're probably maybe too young too but it was a book called uh boom bust and echo by david foote he was a professor at uh, university of toronto and he talked about the demographic change and how it's going to affect things like th- the tennis industry or yep. golf because yep. you know people would stop playing tennis in their 20s and then they yep. switch to golf or whatever Yep and I wonder if that's a factor.
1: So it it potentially, it probably very likely is, cause mm-hmm. we did see for a number of years, the average age of an angler was slowly inching up, 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 up. But over the last few years, we've actually started to see that average age come down. So we've got now this next, this next.
0: The millennials. The millennials. The millennials right? on board. Coming through, yeah. that's right.
1: So the millennials, um, they're also now a large demographic, yeah. right? And so some of are
0: bigger them, than the baby boomers.
1: And so some of them are starting. But they don't like to, go to get fishing. dirty. Well, they have lots yeah. of interests, right? <laughs> they and so many choices. Yes, um, got to so
0: figure out how to w- make Instagram <laughs> selfies a thing in fishing, and, then and, and so
1: <laughs> and so we definitely know that. And they, but you know, they like to go out and catch their own food. Yeah, sure. Um, so and and get their own food. So that's great. A yeah. lot of people are doing that. Um,
0: yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, he started like killing his own animals. Uh, yeah. So, so
1: a lot of people really yeah. like the. You know, they like to understand where their food came from. So yeah. if you're out and you've caught your own fish, and yeah. we certainly from a recreational freshwater side. Yeah. Um, we, those, if you, if you go fishing, I would say if you want to keep fish, go as long as you're staying within the, what the regulation state that you can keep. Sure. I mean, those regulations are in place to manage that fishery properly. Make so it if it's sustainable, it's, yeah. So mm-hmm. you can go ahead and don't feel guilty if you want to eat those fish yeah. that you caught go right ahead. Um, Depends on
0: what you're fishing, right? I mean, steelhead is maybe one. Yes,
1: no. So steelhead, it says that you can't. You like you got to follow the rules, yeah. <laughs> the regulations yeah, yeah. as to what water body you're in and, and what you can keep. Yeah. So when it comes to rainbow trout and yeah. kokanee,
0: lots of them out there.
1: Lots. Yeah. Um, and and we're stocking them so that people can can yeah. keep them. Yeah. Um, but the the other thing too is that people, a lot of us now live in urban centers, right? Yes. People who lived in more rural locations. Yeah. Um, and everyone's short on time. Yeah. And a lot of us are living in smaller houses. Right. So where do you put a boat? Right. right? Good
0: point. Yeah. Um, any, any idea of the 300,000 anglers you have, how many of them actually use a boat versus just stand on the side of a river or a dock?
1: Probably a, a large portion of them are, yeah. are river anglers. Yeah. Um, we do know though that, I mean, this year talking to people who have fished uh, in interior Southern BC lakes for years, they did say that they felt like there was a new group of people that were fishing the uh, the lakes that yeah. had you know invested in some boats and so if you know if you live out in the Fraser Valley yeah. a lot of people there have have room to store a boat yeah. um people in Kamloops and Kelowna like there's lots of places outside yeah. of Vancouver where people do have room to store yeah. these kinds of things yeah um or people are fishing from stand up paddle boards or you know you really? have
0: yeah I saw the <laughs> coolest video of uh, Bombardier has their um, their line of c- Sea dews and they've got one that's for fishing. Yeah, it's wild. Have you seen this thing?
1: I, I can a, fully believe but it. Yeah. Did you
0: pull the video? This thing's like it's crazy. I mean, it's like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why you would just buy a boat. Yep. But it's this thing's wild. It's got a cooler on it, and stuff. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Like in the video they've put together, in then Bombardier here does the. Uh, no, it's not ice fishing, just fish <laughs> fish fishing. <laughs> yeah, fishing. It's like those a sea sea Those are interesting too. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, or people will have um, little float tubes as well. Yes. And so for those, uh, those are great if you want to get a t- true wilderness experience, drive for a few hours um, uh, into the interior, um, hike into a little lake and with your float tube and yeah. be in complete peace and serenity, listen to the loons. Um, yeah. You know, people love doing that as well. So, yeah.
0: Do you stalk any uh, lakes or ponds up on your way to Whistler or up in Whistler? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's yeah, so- that little lake that I think you kind of pass as you get past the. Uh, lion's bay and everything kind of past squamish and you kind of yeah,
1: yeah. so there's um there's a lake murin park just okay. as you just before you get into squamish uh, on the left hand side we yes. stock that one yes and then there's another one that's really hard to see from the highway but it's uh as you're heading from squamish towards whistler as well um there's a little lake on the left that we stock as well and then we stock um uh, lakes in Whistler as well. So Lost yep. Lake, Alta Lake, we stock all of those. Yeah. Um, and then there's a number of lakes that um, are uh, more accessible, say by foot, or you need a four wheel drive vehicle as well around Whistler. Right. Um, lakes as you go further uh, up towards Pemberton as well. So yeah. Anyone, yeah. anyone who's been up in that part of the. And you know, people, uh, when we looked a number of years back at. Um, uh, you know, by population where we had the most anglers, a lot of people in Squamish fish. Really? It's a, there's a, a lot of, I mean, it's it's got a young, active group of people who do everything. Yeah, right? sure.
0: Yeah, so, absolutely. I could see that for yeah. sure. Here it is, by the way, look at this thing. <laughs> this is, what do they call this? They call it their... Yeah, fish pro. The fish pro? Yeah. yeah. Look at this. It's unbelievable. That's pretty <laughs> it's a whole, cool, nother, whole nother league there. Um, okay, so let's go back to those numbers, yeah. uh, Stacy. So you you figured that one of the reasons that that number is kind of flatlined is because of this aging demographic yeah. and the baby boomers who just you know. Some have passed on or some are just too, you know, just it's too hard for them to fish. I know my yep. father-in-law himself has said it's getting harder and harder for him just to tie knots and his lines yep. and whatnot. Yeah, to see, yeah, him, to that, get the, and that's right.
1: climbing in and out of a boat and right. yeah, uh, maybe scrambling along the side of a river. You know, Yeah, yeah. I get it. That gets a little, yeah. that that would certainly get trickier. Yeah. Uh, so, any yeah. other
0: reasons why you think, I, I, I let's use another example. Mm-hmm. That A reason I didn't fish this year was simply that, the rivers were closed, and again, I'm not that, I'm that salmon fisherman primarily, yeah. so my buddies and I normally do that trip out to the island for the summertime, uh, they try and go in June and September, yeah. try and hit up the, I think it's the sockeye run in, in June and then the coho in September, yeah. but the, the the rivers were closed for most of that time yeah. in both of those, so we didn't end up going, which means we didn't buy a license. Yeah. Um, is that another factor, do you think?
1: Uh- Certainly, And I think another part of it, too, is that... Um, so all you heard in the news this summer as well was about how terrible the... There's no fish. Yes, yeah, so there was no fish, right? Yeah, that's, that's, and the, that's so, the headline, no fish. So that that gets into the mindset of people. Yeah. So even if they weren't planning on fishing for salmon, yeah. it's still, I think, people had the impression that BC was closed to fishing, unfortunately. So... Yeah. Um, we certainly. I have, have s- to admit
0: that I'm in that camp. Yeah. I'm glad we're having this conversation because yeah. even though I am primarily looking to go out to fish down, it never occurred to me that you know my buddies and I could just you know we could go up to Whistler or something like that yeah. and have to learn a different way to fish. And we yeah. don't even have our own gear. Yeah. Don't have to use a guide. Um, but that's me I I need to figure out this. stuff. Uh, learn to fish I'm gonna take my kids as an excuse yeah. so that I can learn yeah well um, uh, we've
1: got all sorts of fishing tips on our website as well yeah. so um, uh, what,
0: do you have an estimated cost of what it would cost somebody who doesn't want to invest in a boat yeah. but a young guy like Ross who wants to have a different experience especially if they grew up in the city yeah and they want to be out and they want to just make a quick two hour to hour to two hour drive other whether it's out to the valley to Abbotsford or up to uh, towards Squamish and just hit one of these lakes or a river yeah. Um, and stand on a dock. Yep. What would be the cost to get into so something like So for a
1: basic spinning rod, like you could get, you could probably get set up with a basic spinning rod and some simple gear for under fifty dollars. Really? Yeah. If you went into yeah. your local tackle shop, yeah, I would definitely recommend going into to one of the tackle shops yeah. and talking to the people because they. Um, they they'll set you up, and they they know, right? Um,
0: no knock against Canadian Tire, but I mean, like you you know, you kind of well,
1: the people that are working in those shops, they're out fishing as well, right, on their days off. Um, and they've got people coming in all the time telling them about you know their best kept. secrets (laughs) secrets <laughs> yeah yeah i know before we finish i want to
0: do what people hate about fishing and the people that are good at it is like where's the best spot where yeah. if i want to go catch fish can be my three best locations
1: yeah but the other thing too if people want to if they don't even want to invest in any equipment yeah um and just want to try it um we do a free rod loan program so you what, can really so you can go to our hatchery really or um any one of our hatcheries or I think we've got over 13 visitor centers, locations across BC. You can go in and you can borrow um, a basic spinning rod and we'll give you a little tackle box and you can go out and try it for free. All you got to do is buy your, your fishing license. No way. And at a few of the okay, locations- Okay, so again, if you're
0: in Vancouver, yep. where are those lo- nearest locations?
1: So uh, in Vancouver, probably the lo- closest location would be if you were, go, were to go to Surrey, Yes. You can go to Green Timbers, they have, uh, Green Timbers Park, they have a nature center Mm -hmm. um, to the side of it, and they've got, um, they they, um, loan out um, rods that we uh, provided them from there. yeah.
0: You know where that is, Ross? You grew up in Surrey? Mm. I did, my uncle organized, I think it was called uh, Fishing for Friends or something like that, and it was like, it was pretty fun. You go out and there's a bunch of like um, special needs kids that want to learn how to fish. So we'd go like fish with them. At that. Yeah. I think it might have been right at that location. There's a little pond that they stock there, yep. and they did an extra stock the day before, so everyone would make sure they were catching fish. It was really
1: fun. Super wow. Fun. Yeah. So that's probably the fishing forever. I think that's is what, they what it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so fishing they've forever. they've started doing the program out of our hatchery um, pond out at um, Abbotsford uh, yeah. now as well. Yeah. Sorry. I did that
0: twice. It was it was really fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that would be the probably lo- lo- closest location from Vancouver. Yeah. Um, or they could drive out to Our Hatchery and we also do learn to fish programs for adults. It's not just for kids. You do. So yeah, you can check out our website, watch the events calendar and we do do programs for adults wow. as well.
0: I've got a team of roughly 22 people that work here. Yeah. And I'll bet you at least three quarters of them have never fished before. Wow. And I think it'd be <laughs> such a fun team event to do. That would be yep. great. That, that would be, be super super fun. really fun. Yeah. yeah. Neat.
1: Yeah. Well, we should make a trip out to the hatchery. and yeah. You guys can go fish around the pond. Yeah. That yes. sounds
0: really cool. Um, let's go back to those that annual report for a second here. So we talked about why you think some of the numbers have kind of flatlined. Yeah. Um, obviously, a seven hundred thousand dollar deficit is not sustainable. Um, I'm going to speak here just a moment for uh, the cost to buy a license Mm -hmm. and kind of give you my two cents. So uh, and we can just pull this up here. So this is under the province of BC website. Now, um, who decides how much these licenses are? Is it yourselves or the province?
1: No. So the uh, provincial government sets the prices. They do. Um, Yeah. And they're also responsible for, for selling the licenses as well. Mm. So we receive um, the, uh, the the revenue from them, yeah. but we do not sell the licenses.
0: Well, this is why when you were going back earlier, you were saying that you, you got 70% of the revenue and yep. then you went to 100%. Yes. That was where you got the bump that year. Yep. Yeah. I see and then okay. the other
1: group so there's also a, a conservation surcharge fee that yes. is on some of the products and then the the other group that gets receives funds is the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation okay and so they fund a lot of um, uh, fisheries research projects as well
0: okay okay so the province of BC yeah. and, and so what's what is it what ministry is this under? Do you know?
1: So this would be under Ministry of Forest Lands Natural Resource Operations. Okay. And we're rural to development. I who that MLA is. To, <laughs> and I'm rural and rural development.
0: And world de- and rural rural oh, rural 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 development. Yes. Okay. Um, well, we'll figure out who that MLA is later, and maybe I'll be uh, reaching out to that MLA. Uh, maybe before we're finished, you can find that out for me, Ross. So, so we so here's the pricing. So if you're buying an annual license as a resident, we won't even get into like what the definition between resident and non-resident is, but just yep. to Make this simple. So it's $36 for an annual license. Yep, 365
1: uh, days of fishing. That's
0: amazing. <laughs> I mean, like that's like not even a dollar. A, it's not even, that's like, a, that's like 10 cents a day. Um, but more importantly, a single-day license is $10, an eight-day license is $20. And then the part that my father-in-law wants me to mention as a 71-year-old yeah, um, is he thinks it's crazy that as a senior, he only has to pay $5. Mm-hmm. And so this is one thing he wanted me to pass on. He said, you know... The seniors are the ones who probably can afford this the most. Um, If they're fishing, they probably didn't just learn how to fish at 65. They've probably been fishing their whole lives. And if they can afford to fish, they probably can afford to pay the $36. He said if you're going to give any kind of discount, give it to the young people, guys like Ross, who are trying to just get by in life right now, you know, living at mom and dad's place still, or living with, in Ross's case, like six guys in a house. Uh, But, you know, give them the $5 license. I know this is not you, but this is a shout out to, uh, we'll find out who this is, uh, the the province of BC that runs this ministry. Um, And and obviously, you know, if these fees were to go up, it would be very good for you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're spending 36% of your revenue you get on restocking. Right, so uh, I'm assuming that that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. even more when because we also um, invest in our hatchery program, so in the facilities and yeah, yeah, so. facilities, which yeah. I
0: think what the infrastructure is probably you know it probably deteriorates and there's probably a lot of expenses to, to upgrading facilities and. And
1: we've been trying. We've been doing some upgrades to try and make our um, facilities more and um, efficient, so yes. that we're using less water, less energy. Yeah. Um, so well,
0: yeah, it's interesting because we literally just had. But yesterday, I think it was, yeah. uh, we had uh, Matt, Horn. Matt Horn from the city of yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, I know Matt. Yeah. Oh, do you know Matt? Yeah. Okay. He went to he the same was... grad
1: program as me. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. neat.
0: Yeah, Matt was great. All right, here we go. Doug Donaldson. All right, Doug. We're <laughs> Doug calling is a very nice man. You. I'm sure he is. Uh, but we are calling you out, Doug, as you are the uh, Minister of Forest, Lands, Natural Resource Operations, and Rural Development so Doug my advice is let's increase these fees. My father-in-law who's an avid lifelong fisherman is advocating for it, so am I. Um because when we look at the numbers, I mean my my father-in-law had a really good point. Now he and I both don't like golf. We don't we're not into golf. I think it's one of the reasons why we connected when I first met my wife. But he said, you know, a round of golf is like 80 to 100 bucks. I, is that right, Ross? You're a big golfer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he said you're asking you're asking anglers. Yep to pay less than a round of golf for an entire year's worth of an annual license. And then on top of that, $36 is $25 for a steelhead license and $15 for a... All right.
1: Yeah, which is totally optional. So if you don't right. want to catch steelhead, yeah. don't buy that license. But if you
0: want the full meal yeah. deal, if you want yeah. to be able to catch you know, steelhead, if you want to catch salmon, um, which he does... Yeah. Um. You know, you're not even you're not even eighty bucks into this yeah. thing. I think it was like,
1: and the salmon stamp you only purchase if you're fishing in non-tidal waters. Nine title, so non-tidal. if you're t- if you're fishing saltwater for salmon, it's uh, federal. Yeah. Then you have to license. buy a, a, yeah, a, federal a separate license. license.
0: Yeah. Uh, which would be interesting to compare the two. Do you have any idea off the top of your head what uh, the federal licenses are?
1: It's cheaper. It, it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's so the tragedy of commons here. Like <laughs> I gotta, like we, we got to get this figured out. I'm not trying to say that fishing should become all of a sudden an elitist sport. That's yeah. not what I'm suggesting. But if you guys are running a deficit of seven hundred thousand dollars, you're not seeing an increase in your angler base, and or you are seeing a very slow increase through a lot of marketing dollars, and the the price point to enter into this is so. I asked my father and I said. I said, Jerry, if you had to pay, because he pays roughly about, I think we worked out it was about $46, something like that per per year. I said, if you had to pay double, would you still fish? I said, of course I would. He goes, I I would still fish if it was five times that amount. I mean, it really, I said, how much does a lure cost? Because he's losing tackle in Mm -hmm. the river all the time. He said, it's seven bucks. That's not including tax. So you're almost $8 for one one lure. Um, I'm pretty sure most avid anglers are going to lose quite a bit of lure through the course of a year. And for him to pay $5 as a senior... I agree with them. I think there needs to be a definite... Is there a review? How does this process work? Does it get reviewed on an annual basis? Um, do you know?
1: So not on an annual basis. Um, we are... Um, you know, we did do um, a review and looked at license fees and have um, a proposal for some potentially different options as well yeah. for people. So you're talking about for for young people starting out, well, you know, is there... Could we introduce something like a family license? Right. Or... Um, a lot of people, the other thing that they would love is if they didn't have to renew each year, it just automatically renewed for them, right? Right. Um, so um, those are all potential options that have been proposed to government. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's... sell a
0: five-year license. Yeah. You know? So, so, so there are just, some options. Yeah.
1: Um, with the current license system for um, the electronic license system, there are some restrictions on the flexibility of that current system as well. So being able to add new products is problematic or mm. so um yes, we're in discussion with government, but uh, it hasn't nothing's happened to date, but right. we're optimistic.
0: Okay. Well I know you didn't you don't <laughs> want to make this political. I'm always happy to make things political <laughs> without having to ask my guests yeah. to Well and um, yeah, no. The other thing too I'll point out here is so like non resident And and it's not that I have an issue with Americans or Mm -hmm. foreigners, but the part that really blows me away is, I mean, you know, you guys as an organization, DFO, these uh, nonprofit volunteer groups, I mean, there's a lot of Canadians who are putting their heart and soul into ensuring we have a sustainable fishing system to turn around. And then, Ross, if you can just pull that that, uh, pricing chart up there, to turn around and allow a... You know, a wealthy American or European or Japanese uh, people to come visit here, and they only have to spend eighty bucks. In fact, probably most of them are not buying an annual license. They're they got an eight day license for fifty dollars. Um, These people are paying. They're they're paying. In some cases, you know, if you look at you know great sir great service Murphy's Fishing Lodge out in Port Alberni, which I use. They're great guys, but I can guarantee you, Murphy's is charging. Um, you know thousands of dollars for an eight-day guide on a on a non-tidal river and you know we turn around and only charge 50 bucks
1: yeah so depending on which river system they're fishing on they they may also have to purchase an additional um classified waters license or some other if you know if it's steelhead they'll have to purchase an additional license on top of that but where but where we where where uh, we do get some money from those visitors that come from out of country yes Uh, because we also invest in a program called Fishing BC so um, helping to um, promote BC as a fishing tourism destination so we do know that rural communities are where most of these people are going to sure to go fishing yeah and they're creating employment they're they're creating employment because especially when it comes to people from out of country yeah majority of them that come are using the services of a guide or a lodge or accommodation or or something right so
0: And I'm a big fan, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of tourism. I think it's actually, I I think bringing in foreign dollars for tourism is probably one of the best economic policies that a government could embrace because you're literally just bringing money in from outside of your country and if it's sustainable tourism, that's phenomenal. All I'm saying is, I think it's crazy that you know people. People will not stop coming if they have to go from paying eighty dollars or fifty dollars for an eight-day license to being having to pay two hundred and fifty dollars. That's the number I wrote up. I, I said because I looked at the number and I said, right now foreigners only pay hundred and six dollars U.S., a hundred bucks, and I can tell you for sure these if an Americans coming up here. I remember seeing pictures of uh, Donald Trump Jr. When he was doing a he was doing a combo fishing hunting tour you got to know that guy's paying tens of thousands of dollars so for him to pay a little bit more we, i think would go a long way so there's another suggestion for minister donaldson <laughs> <laughs> um and i love the golfing comparison i think that's a great one i think that's a really that because a lot of people who probably fish and golf mm-hmm. and they can relate to the two i yep. um one of the questions that my father-in-law asked me to ask you, yep. Stacy, is, um, is there a way in which, you know, if if he were to allocate a portion of his will mm-hmm. um, to your society, is there a way he could do that? I mean, are, are you, do you issue tax receipts? Or?
1: So we, um, we're not a charitable not-for-profit, but okay. if somebody wanted to say make a donation uh to us and wanted a tax receipt yes um the way that we have uh been doing that is that we actually have a fund set up through the habitat conservation trust fund foundation so okay. we work in close partnership with them on a number of projects uh so i know that there have been some anglers that have done that um and some of them put in specific requests so they they wanted it to help make fishy more accessible yeah or something like that so we have then um, use those funds um, in partnership with the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation, and maybe um, install the dock in uh, a new location, or um, you know, help fund more learn to fish programs. I see. So uh, that's probably the the easiest way. But okay. yeah, if they were to contact you us, the, this
0: is a here, yep. Habitat Conservation Trust, Trust Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. So they've um,
1: just changed their website okay. recently. They they did a nice update to it. So yeah, I'm not nice, yeah. not sure where. Um, that information would be. But if someone was interested, if they were to, to yeah. reach out to to either ourselves or our HCTF, um, yeah. we could help facilitate that. So
0: um, that, that sounds like maybe a good workaround, but I'm wondering, like, has, has the Freshwater Fisheries Society of BC ever looked at just being able to get uh, a charitable... Um, uh, I don't even know call a license or yeah. a number so that yeah. it, you know, yeah. it so makes it really easy for people to donate and, <coughs> and have a, I mean, cause look, you want know, reality is if you can get a tax yeah. receipt, you're going to get way more people donating than someone who is not.
1: Yeah. So, um, our, our, our CFO and our board have looked into that. Yeah. Um, there's different tax rules depending on if you're a charitable not for profit or a not for profit. And, um, at this point, it doesn't look like it's uh, it makes uh, business sense for us to do that. Yeah, um, we would probably have to do quite a bit of fundraising mm. for some of the um, the benefits that we lose as just a not for profit. So oh, I, I don't understand all of right. the yeah the yeah. tax implications, but there yeah. there are different tax implications depending on uh, what type of not for profit you are.
0: Right. Well, there's another one for Minister Donaldson. I mean, the way I, the way I see it, he's going to get a lot of heat from me on this one, but I look at it and think to myself, if I can make a donation to the BC NDP or the BC Liberal Party or the BC Green Party and get a tax receipt for these guys to fight with each other in the legislative assembly, um, pound tables and whistle at each other, the least we should be able to do is also donate to your organization. But it sounds like this is a good workaround, which is your... is it? So if I were to say donate... Uh, $1,000 to the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation. Can I say I want 100% of my money to go to whatever you're working on with Freshwater Fisheries Society? Oh, okay. That's great. Okay, super. So there's your, there's your workaround. Um, The other question um, my father-in-law wanted to ask, he, he believes that now this, I guess is, this is down the avenue of, of salmon. So maybe you can't answer this question, but he believes that a lot of the fish fry um, that are coming out of the rivers, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming he's talking about salmon fry, but maybe this applies to steelhead as well, um, are coming into, into uh, they're, they're being, they're traveling through fish farms that uh, are nets you know, they're, they're farms out in the ocean that are netted with all these fish inside that have a lot of disease and believes that a lot of these um, fish fry are not living they're, not, they're they're getting they're picking up disease as being in the same way that a young child is more susceptible to sickness than us as adults, mm-hmm. and he's um, wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Which is he he thinks that maybe one of the reasons we're seeing less salmon stocks coming back is because a lot of them are traveling through and interacting with these farmed salmon, not the adult ones, but the fish. Yeah. He mentioned the fish fry because the, the nets are too obviously. Uh, that are tight enough to keep the adults in and the other mm-hmm. adults out, yep. but the fry can travel right through those little nets. They pick up these diseases and then they don't live. Have you got any kind of thoughts on that?
1: I I'll be honest. I'm not up on the, all the current research yeah. um, around that issue. I know it's certainly been a hot topic one. Um, I all I can can say is that the uh, our changing climate is definitely impacting uh salmon and species that spend time in the ocean in multiple different ways Um, and so warm warmer temperatures also make fish more susceptible to you guys are really seeing that and yeah Yeah. so
0: how about even fish that don't touch the ocean like trout that are in uh, lakes
1: so uh, um yeah so when water temperatures are warmer uh yeah. trout definitely feel stressed from that as yeah, well because um, you're seeing
0: the pH balance changes it becomes more basic and
1: yeah and even so if people are fishing in the summertime um and releasing fish in warmer water um warmer water holds less oxygen so oh um really? so the fish are going to feel stressed from that as well um and so often people will look, even in a freshwater system you can catch fish so um you know there is disease natural diseases in our environment um and uh parasites and uh, so even in the summertime if you're fishing um a local lake uh, especially in the peak of summer you might find little copepods behind the gills of trout in lakes as well so really? those are natural they're not harmful yeah um you know so if you catch a fish and and kill it then notice it you can still eat them make okay. sure make sure you always cook your fish thoroughly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the health advisory but, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the, the health, yeah stay healthy but uh yeah. yeah so it's um
0: huh so the global warming is really truly a, a big a big factor here in the health of the fish there, system. there's
1: going to be some winners and then some losers yeah. um and you know it's interesting as well because when it comes to the salmon stocks um on bc's coast yeah I mean, we hear a lot of doom and gloom, but some of the stocks are actually doing fine. Are they? Right? So yeah. if okay, well,
0: let's, well, we don't want to definitely end this it, on a bad it, note, yeah, so no, on a sour note. So, so can, some of them are doing
1: fine. Let's so, talk about
0: some of the successes. She so so was going to be my yeah. next question.
1: Yeah, no, so so some of them are doing fine. So when you talk to some of the people that were fishing this year, even in the ocean, some of them had yeah. some other, depending on where you were, some of them yeah. had one of their better years. Right. Right? So you would never know it from, yeah. from what you hear in the media. Yeah. And when it comes to our inland fisheries, yeah. I mean, really most of those are very healthy still. Kay. So our, uh, most of our rainbow trout stocks, uh, kokanee stocks, they are thriving. They're doing really well. Yeah. Uh, some people claim they had one of their best uh, summers of fishing. We had no smoke this summer, right? Right. So That's true. Yeah. The water, yeah the first time in wa- two years. It didn't yeah. get too hot. Yeah. Um, so um, Yeah. Fish, uh, fish were healthy and happy, and um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that there there's a lot of good news stories out there as well that we just uh, we just don't hear about. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's good. Well, that's why we're doing this conversation. Yeah. And actually, so that that was one of my questions uh, um, was about um, you know what what location would you say like do you have any you mentioned you have different stocking programs? Yep. Um Is there any one in particular you could speak to that you're like these guys are knocking out of the park I mean they're just so good they're so passionate maybe you've got one individual you'd like to name that you want or you know or a group of people or a certain region that have really you know proven that you know they can make it help rebuild or make a really healthy system
1: Um, well I I would say that if someone is looking so maybe hasn't um, fished done any freshwater fishing before and loves to eat fish um, one of the the species that they should look to target, especially if they like to fish in the summertime, yeah. um, are, uh, are kokanee. Okay. They taste delicious. Yeah. We're stocking more and more lakes with them because anglers love them. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is something that every Canadian should experience and try at some point yeah. and is growing in popularity is ice fishing. Yes. Right. And so yeah. if you live in the lower mainland and have never tried ice fishing, I would highly recommend doing a trip into the interior. Go and find a nice frozen lake. Um, you got to remember to bring an auger.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cut a hole in the ice, and it really, it's really. You can like lean over and just look in the hole and watch the fish swimming by and, and hook them right. And yeah. And um, it's a great way to go out and spend a few hours with your family, and and then you can eat them when you're yeah. finished. Right. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, I would. Uh, I would i would highly recommend that people try try ice fishing and, yeah. and try try kokanee fishing if yeah. they if they like to eat fish so
0: is this uh ross this year's kokanee fish so just so people know that the history of a coke the kokanee yep. is the theory is that these if i get this right was these fish used to be you know ocean going salmon just like all the other salmon we know but over you know millions of years of evolution of our planet and you know plates hitting each other and mountains being created and whatnot they, these fish became landlocked
1: yep and yeah so these are landlocked sockeye salmon
0: sockeye salmon yeah yeah so and do th- they have got they, a bright red do, do they travel at all or like,
1: so they- yeah so they um they live primarily in larger lake bodies yeah um and so they all spawn in the stream and then so uh Juvenile sockeye will also spend a year right in a large lake before they head to the ocean. Well, these ones just grow in in the lakes and they're eating yeah. zooplankton, and um, they get that bright red color on the inside. They taste quite similar to to, to salmon. Yeah. Um, where
0: are the where is probably the most populous uh, waters uh, waterways for kokanee? Other rivers or lakes? Yeah.
1: So closest to the lower mainland would probably be Coquihalla Lake out by Hope. Okay. Um, so that one's got kokanee in it. And then, um, on, uh, once you get up into, uh, around Kamloops, there's, uh, Monty Lake, which is right alongside the highway between Kamloops and Vernon. You'll see people, if you're driving by there in the wintertime, if you're there in like January and kokanee fishing is good, you'll know. Uh, Paul Lake near Kamloops, um, Bridge Lake, uh, up near, um, up in the Caribou along Highway 24, um, there's a number of lakes up. Uh, actually, the Caribou is known for its uh, kokanee fishing. Yeah. Um, and if people just want to check out a new location, you know, if there's probably people that are living elsewhere in the province. Are like, hey, I, you didn't mention um, where I live. Um, but yeah, if they want to look at our website. We show all the lakes that we stock with kokanee. But there's yeah. other lakes that we don't stock either that are
0: really that healthy, are and doing just fine. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wood Lake and in, in, um how do you know when you've caught a
0: wild fish versus a stocked fish? Most do people you know? won't know. No, okay. No.
1: No. Do, they, uh,
0: do you guys? Do you guys? I know with the salmon, they clip that. Uh, what is it called? The dorsal fin? Is that what it's called? So you or can they,
1: you can do different clippings, uh-huh. but um, yeah. So for the most part, um, we stock some lakes that have yeah. wild production. Yeah. But it's usually pretty minimal. Okay. Um, so most people, if they catch, so lakes that we stock are primarily have just stocked fish in them i see right so um
0: these would be lakes that naturally never really had wild uh uh, trout or
1: yeah or there's uh, um intermittent stream flow or not consistent where there's enough stream flow and the fish can reproduce on their own most of those lakes are doing just totally fine on their own yeah
0: yeah wow um what was uh, what, you you'd answer this before but I think but just to make sure we're clear so when it comes to uh, deciding what lakes and rivers are open that's decided not by yourselves yep. by by the province of BC yep that's right. okay um so and and where does that information where where would people know when they if they're looking if they're again they're new like Ross yep. and I or they don't have a lot of experience how would we know what lakes and rivers are open
1: so <laughs> in BC, um, it's a little bit different than salmon fisheries okay. because salmon fisheries are sort of like these uh, short windows where, th- where there's, uh, there's openings, right? Yeah. Um, most lakes and rivers are open year-round. Oh. Um, so if you're fishing in a certain region, you want to have a look at the regulations. The first thing you want to figure out is where you are in the province, which yes. region you're in, and then there will be regional regulations at the beginning. So it'll tell you how many fish. You can keep in each lake or river for that region. And then, um, and if there's any seasonal closures. So um, some of the river fisheries don't open until um, end of um, end of the spring, basically, into June. So after fish have spawned. Um, but, and then there will also be a list of tables that have um, water body specific regulations. So if there was, say, a lake that was being managed to grow larger size fish and you could only keep one over 50. You would have to, you'd have to check that, that table just to see if the, the lake or river you're fishing has any water specific regulations. But if it's not listed in that table, you just have to refer to the regional regulations.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. Well, this has been phenomenal. What an interesting conversation! I had no idea we we're going to get into all this, and it's been <laughs> so. It's been, I've learned a lot. Okay. Oh, this is the map here, right under where? Where'd you find this, Ross? No, this is right
1: on the website. Yeah. Okay. So it's under, this is our, our where to fish page. Yeah. And so this shows all of the lakes that we stock in BC. So okay. there's over eight hundred lakes. Uh, some of them are stocked annually. Some of yeah. them are only stocked every two years. Um, there's a filter there, so you can actually filter oh, and see that. which lakes we have fishing docks on. Where our rod loan sites are.
0: Also, oh, foot access. Um, and incredible. if you zoom
1: in, um, or maybe just click on just one of those individual pins. Or, um, yeah, just if you zoom in onto the map, uh, there's that individual pin that's up in the north. If you click yeah. on. You have a Anyways. touch
0: screen, Ross, yeah. so you can actually use your finger too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you <laughs> click on one of those pins, it'll give you information about oh, the, about the individual lake
0: the telegraph creek surface area 31 elevation 347 347 meters Last stocked on Yeah, and so if you click on,
1: and it'll show you, if you click on the view stocking report, it will then um, open up the stocking report page and show you what we've stocked and when.
0: Oh, look at that.
1: And um, for quite a few lakes, we also have what are called bathymetric maps. Uh, So it's basically like the the bottom of the lake elevation maps. Yeah. And so if we have those for the lake, it'll also be in that link.
0: Right. This is the fish you were talking about earlier, the blackwater, what did Mm -hmm. you call
1: it? The blackwater strain.
0: Strain, Yeah. yeah. These are the ones that, Will eat smaller fish as they get older. Yep. Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming today. Well, thank if you. If people want to get involved, they should just go to um, gofishbc.com. Yep. And buy yourselves a license. Um, even, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to do that because even if you uh, don't go fishing, it helps support the organization.
1: We appreciate every single license dollar we get. Yes. Yeah.
0: And if you do want to donate, again, the other website was. Uh, remind
1: H-C-T-F.
0: me H- hctf it's the yep. habitat conservation trust foundation yeah so they're one or, of our, our or our just partners. get in touch with you
1: or just yeah so um on our website there's a an email yeah. uh, contact at the bottom of every uh every page and yeah. um we would be happy to answer any questions around that right
0: great well yep. we have stacy webb director of marketing and communications for the freshwater fisheries society of bc and as my father-in-law would say Uh, tight lines. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thank you.